Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Score! Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. Score! It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchsow. Right up front, Yager, Bennett, side of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here on this Friday, hour number two. We are live from Sunset Station, the STN Sports Studio here, right by the sports book, and of course Club Madrid. And tonight, come on out and join us at five o'clock. We've got the VGK watch party. It is happening here. The Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens. The series now shifts to Montreal for game number three. Remember, faceoff is five o'clock tonight. Doors open here at four o'clock, and it's a great opportunity to win a bunch of prizes. Uh, you come in, they'll give you a ticket. There's no cover charge. Uh, you got great food and uh, drink options as well. The big screen TVs inside Club Madrid. Nice uh, atmosphere inside there. But yeah, um, they have drawings. Uh, our good friend Brian Blessing, who is on before us here, he'll be hosting along with Chuck Esposito here, the sportsbook director at Station Casinos. And uh, yeah, you, good chance that you're going to win some great prizes. And I, I was. I don't want to say I was blown away when it, when I went to the watch party last week. It was it was amazing the prizes that uh, they're giving away. VGK, um, you know, memorabilia. Uh, they got uh, you know Power Play Sports. They're out here take uh, you know giving some stuff away. Some food content and the and stuff. food stuff, of course, here at Sunset Station, which you know that goes right to the top of my list. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, will you take a picture of your winning certificate before you got the food with it? No, no, no. See, I won't take uh, pictures of, of certificates, just the actual food itself. Okay. But you take pictures of winners when they win stuff from you when you're at remote sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah. When I'm doing a remote, okay. and, and of course, yeah, exactly. But you know, Something tells myself. me Brian might be prepping himself for tonight's remote by um, watching a couple horse races right now. You think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> there's, 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 I'd say the probability is rather high. Yeah, I think you're probably Brian right. Brian likes the ponies. Well, and I do, too. I mean, I love horse racing, yeah. so, you know. Yeah, a little Friday afternoon action in, in the in the sports book. Him yeah. and Cart might be there together. They yeah. they both like the horses, <laughs> you know, the different tracks and that. So, I mean, like I say, I love horse racing, so I, I'm not knocking them at all for it. So, I, I haven't been that guy for a long time that would sit in the sports book, which I guess just don't have the time to do it, and and bet the the horse races. Like when I bet the Belmont, you know, I bet get in, go out, watch it yeah. at home, that sort of thing. But, you know, back in the day, uh, again, I used to spend a lot of time at the track like you did as well, too. Now, that's fun, you know, making a day of it. Oh, yeah. I, and, I used to love going And, out you know, and we, we talked with Marco D'Angelo when he was with us a couple of weeks ago as well, too, you know, for the Triple Crown, talking about, hey, you know, Del Mar, you know, the opening day at Del Mar, you know, fantastic. And uh, the last track I went to was Del Mar, not last year, obviously, because of COVID, but the year prior to that, um, just loved it. I mean, loved it. And that was my first time at Del Mar. So I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, spending the day at the track. And I remember, like, building up to that, you know, when I planned on going, I was really looking forward to it because it's been a lot of years since I actually spent, like, a whole day at the track. 
So, and especially Del Mar, because then, you know. I it's got, got all the ambiance yeah. and the atmosphere. I mean, they still play Bing Crosby's where the turf meets the surf before <laughs> the things yeah. go up. It's a little scratchy, kind of like the record was or something. But, it's but yeah, it's interesting. And then you, you just see all the celebrities and everything else out there. It's not just going to the racetrack to watch horse racing. And then you look over and the ocean's right flowing in when you're up in the mm-hmm. upper st- oh, decks yeah. and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's a beautiful setting. It's the one place I've gone where I've lost money and actually didn't mind so much. I I agree. I agree. Exactly. And then... And I've done good at Santa Anita and other tracks. Yeah. Delmar has fooled me. I haven't <laughs> done well there, but I still enjoy going down there. Yeah. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, to go to the barn area and, the, you know, the, the stables, the paddocks and all that kind of stuff as well. is really, really cool. And again, you know, got great restaurants not far from there as well, too, that whole area. So uh, the ideal day in San Diego for me is going to Delmar in the, in the afternoon in a Padres game at night. And then you and know, I've done that. And then LA, I've done that myself. You and I both have done that. Yeah. The other thing about Del Mar too is make sure when you're driving around there, be a little extra cautious because everybody's riding a bicycle. Yeah. They're they're also they're such health mongers out there. <laughs> they're all either walking or riding bikes. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but man, it's like I guess if you live by the ocean, you want that beach body. So <laughs> you know, and I go there, and I'm like. What are all these people doing? Where can I get a burger? <laughs> Coronado, man. I just I love Coronado. I mean, I, I've got a Mexican spot there that, that I really like. And just you want to walk around, talk about the, the bikes, people always biking or walking, you know, along the ocean there. Fantastic. Yeah, I like San Diego. No, you got a pretty no, good no, zoo, no too, if you're into that kind of stuff. If you are, absolutely. Do. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, so the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens game number three. What do we expect to see in this game tonight outside of the COVID stuff that we had talked about with the Montreal Canadiens uh, in their coach who has tested positive for COVID? Uh, we don't think any other players are going to be affected here, but they will probably be without their coach behind the bench here tonight. But let's go back to game two. Um, I think a lot of us thought that the Golden Knights would be having a 2 nothing lead coming into game number three. And uh, that uh, that is not the case as Montreal was more aggressive. They were played more smarter. They, uh, again, didn't uh, spend all that time in the box like they did in game one. They ended up uh, scoring two goals in the first period. Then they tacked on a third goal uh, midway through the second period. It was 3 nothing. And then at that point in time, it's like, wow, how are the Golden Knights going to come back? And they nearly did. I mean, it was 3-1, then it became 3-2, and that was the final score. You know, if the game would have, you know, extended maybe another two or three or five minutes, you know, potentially maybe they send the game into OT. But uh, it was Montreal's night that night. Carey Price was better than Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury was better than Carey Price in Game 1. So now what I'm curious to see is what's going to happen here in Game 3. And remember, 18,000-plus at T-Mobile Arena, we are not going to see that at the Bell Center in Montreal. I believe, and I think you said it yesterday, the max is, what, 3,500? And and they're increasing it to that. It was 2,500 before I remember, but I, I, I couldn't watch these games early on because I was tired of seeing the red tarp, you know, with the logo and all that stuff especially after going to T-Mobile and everything. No, I just, because even T-Mobile, remember we had, you know, before that was 12,000, before that it was 9,000. No, it was, uh, I I don't want to be looking at that tonight. And really, how much of a home ice advantage are the Montreal Canadiens really going to have tonight with only 3,500 in attendance? Now they're playing with confidence. I get that because they, they got a victory. And this is a team that won seven straight before the Golden Knights beat them in game one. But home ice advantage, how much 
for the Canadians tonight? Well, I don't know that it's that big of a home ice advantage from the from the fan base because, like you mentioned, there's not going to be a lot of fans, although I'm sure the fans that are there are going to be rampant. But if there is a home ice advantage, it's that Montreal knows their stadium a lot better than the Vegas Golden Knights do. Uh, the reports are that Montreal's got some of the fastest, if not the fastest ice in the entire league. That can help guys like Nizuki, uh, Suzuki, excuse me, uh, Nick Suzuki. I somehow was going to say Nizuki, but Nick Suzuki. Right. Uh, uh, you know, him and some of the other guys. So, you know, it could help guys like him. But Vegas also has a lot of speed out there. The other thing is the boards in Montreal are very lively. So watch for them to try to use some stretch passes maybe or something else or try to bounce it. Yeah, remember that goal that Tuck did where he, he, he turned around and he spun and he wasn't even trying to hit the net, but Petrangelo came in. Look for Montreal to do that kind of stuff tonight. And maybe Vegas can uh, take advantage of that too, but they're not as comfortable there because they haven't been there in two seasons. But that would be the home ice, would be the actual ice and the boards and everything else around there. Not sure how much the fan base is going to... It's going to sound like crickets compared to the 18,000 yeah, at T-Mobile. No doubt. All right. All right. Join us now is our good friend from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Heidi Fang. Heidi, what's going on, girl? Hey, man. Hey. Glad to be back. Happy to be here. It is so funny. My phone's in. I'm like, who is? <laughs> and then it was my boy Nunchuck. So oh. I'm like, yeah, come on. Yeah. What's up, girl? How you doing? What's uh, you know, oh. we we got some, we got some boxing tomorrow night. We're we gonna see your face in the place at the Virgin. <laughs> you know, my face was in the place today, but yeah, I'm hustling. I'm moving. I I got shaking going on and baking, and then <laughs> so I went down there today to check out the wins and do some some uh, photos over there. Uh, but to be honest, I have family visiting in town this week. Family I haven't seen in two years. That couldn't come back to the states. It's finally back in the states, so you know I got to be a real one. Be wow. at the family tomorrow. Wow, I understand. Boring. All right, well, stay hydrated <laughs> while you're out, out shaking and baking. Stay hydrated, would you? I think everybody's baking right now out here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're in line. It's like walking in an oven, TC Frank. Man. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. All right, we were talking to Golden Knights in Montreal tonight, game number three. Give me uh, some thoughts, Heidi. What do you think? So, so important that they don't play just the second and the third period. Yes. We don't see a repeat of what we saw in game two, right? Because, Mm. uh, you know, these guys are so defensive. There's so much physicality from this Montreal team, and they're hungry. Mm. They're after it. So, like, I think a lot of people thought once the Knights got past Minnesota, once they got past Colorado, that it was going to be smooth skating, Mm. right? But here we go, and the Canadians came to play, and the first game you saw that physicality, right? So now it's time for these guys to really um, bring the pressure early, and they got to make that presence known because I think once they get going, it's a little too late and when uh, the Canadians are playing like they are with as many shot on goals as they're taking. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a very, very important game. The Knights have to take one away on the road to get ahead of this, uh, uh, what the Canadians are putting out there, definitely. Well, you know, Heidi, you mentioned something there, too, and it seems like in every series, everybody always talks about how important the first goal in a game is. Obviously, in the Colorado series, that wasn't necessarily the case, even in the Minnesota series to some extent, but with this team here, when you saw game one and you saw game two, you saw two completely different Canadian teams on the ice. When they're coming from behind and they have to try to get offensive, their defense suffers a little bit and the other team gets some more opportunities. But when they do have that lead, first it was the one goal, then two goals, and once they got up three goals, they really clamped it down. They dare you to try to beat them and carry Price out there. So getting a lead on this team is very important, maybe more important than almost any other team in the league. 
Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, the Knights, uh, you know, three of four uh, in, in the last four years, they've made it through three times to this level of the playoffs. And to be able to see them uh, get that cup, I think it's so like one of those things, obviously, that every team wants to accomplish, right? That's the end game in any sport is to get the championship. But I think for this team that's had such a high-caliber level team that can play the way that they do uh, year after year, this is the year for them that they really need to, to, to prove it, to get that Stanley Cup. I mean, hey, they've made it, I think, so much farther than anybody would have thought in a crazy year, right, with COVID and the shortened season and everything that was going to happen. But when you start thinking about how do they build the legacy, well, it's got to start with the Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at game one to game two, we saw adjustments. Montreal made the adjustments. And a lot of us got fooled, and a lot of the betters got fooled as well, too, because there was such a, the Knights were such a heavy favorite in game one, and they, and they were just as heavy a favorite in game two. And then Montreal shocked a lot of people. Again, in the Golden Knights had that kind of first period, like you talked about, where they kind of went, went sleepwalking. Where are the adjustments going to come from Peter DeBoer as we go now from game two to game three in the location changes? You know, maybe they do mix around some lines, or, you know, get some of the guys that are, are really shaking right now, move around some of the lines. But I don't know, you know, how he would do that best. Uh, I think that with some of the adjustments, they always seem to make the right ones when it's necessary. And, uh, you know, I want to see. I think all of the lines have good I'm trying to go through all the lines in my head right now. I think all of them have guys that are very solid. But when you start thinking about, you know, who really needs to step up, it's just, I think, a matter of all of them having the the right momentum to click at the same time, if you know what I mean. There's really not anybody that's lacking by any means. But I think that there's a way that if they can all get on the, the same type of physicality, the same type of level at the same time on each line, then that would definitely help the case for pushing the tempo for the game earlier on. And I think a lot of that comes out of the leader of the team, you know, Mark Stone, that sets the pace, that gets these guys rallied up. I mean, and you always see, you know, with Flurry, how he's able to communicate with the guys and, and get them shaken as well. So I think they're the two leaders on this team. And it starts there when you're on the ice and getting these guys in the right mindset before they go out. Well, and when you're talking about the lines, too, the question mark tonight is, is Chandler Stevenson back in the lineup? If he's not, is it we saw Nick Waugh start out with Pacioretty and Stone, then Keegan Colasar played there. He played fairly well, but it kind of changes where yeah. everybody slots in. And, and it's yeah. not a big concern because it's only two games into the series, but of all the goals they've had, only one of them have been from one of the uh, forwards in, and that was uh, Jan Mark's goal when Alex Tuck shot the puck. Everything's been coming from the defensemen. So when you talk yeah. about the lines, who's going to step up, I, I, I agree with you. Every one of them has to step up because right now they're not getting enough production. They're not getting very many shots. I, I think the defensemen have as many shots as the forwards did in the last game. The, the forwards have to step up more, and they've got to make it more difficult for Carey Price getting in front of the net and making him try to find the puck. Like Petrangelo's first goal in the last game, there was five or six guys in front of him. He never saw that puck. If Carey Price sees it, he's stopping it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's like you said, I like what we've seen out of uh, Keegan. Or, you know, and I, I think that he's somebody that's young on this team and uh, has got a lot of, of – wind under his sails he's got he's got the durability to go through uh, no matter where they put him and when they put him into the game so i like what i've seen out of him he's definitely got some spark to him so yeah i think you're you're absolutely right frank 
All right, Heidi Fang joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. Covers uh, many, many things for the RJ, from the UFC to the boxing to the Raiders. And speaking of which, Heidi, I know have you been hanging out uh, there in the heat in Henderson out at the uh, Raiders facility as we had a little mini camp this week. So uh, talk to me about that. Yeah, it was exciting. You know, I think when you look at the Raiders team, there's been a work in progress here. Um, what was difficult for them last year, I think, and especially for a lot of the rookies, is not having the off-season program, but this season they get it. So when you have that and the ability to build a camaraderie, the ability to work together, to see where the strengths and weaknesses are in this team, especially because they've got that new defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley, I think this is a team that couldn't have benefited more from having an off-season program. And in the heat, <laughs> man, if, if, just when you learn who your friends and your enemies are is when you got to do things in 120-degree weather. Who can sink? Who can swim? Who's going to be the one that, that is not going to make it, you know, through the tough times? Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see a lot of the um, strong links standing out. And then I even saw some that I'm wondering – if they're going to be starters next year uh, in this coming season, I mean, because of what I saw. So there's uh, a lot of interesting, you know, talking points in there. I don't know where you want to go, you know, guys. You, you tell me where, where you want to start with that because no, there's a lot. You know, I'll tell there. you what. This is, the, this is the grab bag, the potpourri, call it whatever you want. I mean, you tell me what, you, what you've what you noticed. I mean, you've been out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me what you, what, uh, what you think is, is the hot-button topic there. <laughs> For sure. You know, I think um, when, when I started out and I looked at um, Max Crosby, he came in in shape. He is lean and mean right now, and he is light on his feet. He's making the quick adjustments when they're hitting those tackle posts. I like what I've seen out of him, and I think he's learning a lot under working with people like Yannick Ngakwe, working with people like Solomon Thomas, who everyone remembers was the number three pick a few years back when the 49ers picked him, and, and you know after that went Mahomes. And <laughs> even a lot of people say you know he gave criticism to the Niners after that pick, but. He's been, you know, through some experiences that all of this team can benefit from. And you see on the other end, on the secondary, I'm looking at Damon Arnett, and he's kind of looking like he's taking a back seat on things. But I don't know if he's just trying to confuse me or if he's not putting forward all of his effort because of the heat, but I'm wondering when I see a guy like Damon Arnett, kind of wandering the sidelines and looking like he's taking in things but not applying them as much as some of the others are, that like Trayvon Mullen or uh, Isaiah Johnson, some of the others that have been on this team for a few years now that are young on the younger end, they're, they're picking up the pace. But I'm wondering what's going on with Damon Arnett. So I don't know if he's kind of injured, and for now, you know, they're not listing it on the injury report of any sort, and he's just kind of taking a back seat or what the case may be, but... Man, that's uh, kind of a curious point. And then you see guys standing out um, in the wide receiver group. There's so much to take from the different wide receivers. You can see Henry Ruggs starting to learn the routes a little cleaner. You can see Hunter Renfro working as a mentor with him. He's talking to him a lot on the sideline. And I think if there's somebody who can teach you a route and help you apply it well, it's going to be Hunter Renfro. And then you see John Brown, who they're already calling Smoke. I tell you, if you got a nickname this early in the game from a team that you just came over to, 
Yeah, somebody's going to light some wheels on fire. So I like what I've seen out of John Brown early. And, yeah, this this offense, this defense is a, a lot of takeaways, and I'm just barely touching the tip of the iceberg, man. You know, Heidi, when it comes to the Raiders, uh, obviously in their division, KC's still the team to beat out there. There's question marks about the other clubs. Uh, one thing that I've heard some people joking about is, well, we know they're not going to be 500 this year because there's 17 games. I guess technically there could be a tie, but they probably won't be one. But what is the realistic expectations for this team? Where do you see them finishing? Are they above 500? Are they below 500? Are they a playoff team? Are they still on the cusp of we don't know? Yeah, of course they have to be a playoff team this year for it to be the team that everybody wants it to be. But they have a really tough schedule ahead, I think. When you start off the season with the Ravens and the Steelers, Steelers being on the road, Ravens Monday Night Football, that's a lot of pressure to start off the season. Then you go down the the pipe here, you know, and you obviously have the Chiefs twice. That's going to be tough either way you look at it, whether it's home or away. Um and in the end of the year, you're going into Arrowhead. You're going into Cleveland. You're going into the Colts Stadium, which at least that one's domed. But the, when you start traveling back east and dealing with teams on a, on a short week between some of these ones that happen uh, later on in the season and uh, games that aren't yet determined, because with the Browns, it could be either a six-day week or it could be a seven-day week. But Still, you're going back east and you're resetting your body clock and you're going through these things and you're facing teams that have been in the playoffs, man. That isn't going to be an easy road. So, obviously, like you said, they're not going to go 500. But right now when I look at it and I think of of what is possible, I'd like to see if they can surprise me because as I look at it, I'm seeing a team that has nine wins. All right, Heidi, let's see. John Brown is smoke. Heidi Fang, she has a nickname. What is it? I don't know. Come on. And and what do the Raiders call you? I mean, come on. You're hanging out with (laughs) these guys. What's John Green? What do they they call you? You have to have a nickname. And and I'm the king of nicknames. I give everyone a nickname. I'm not sure if I've given Heidi Fang a nickname ever. I've got to give her one. The guys call me Queen. The boxing guys, when they see me, they're like, what's up, Queen? That's what I get from them. (laughs) Queen Fang. There's Queen Fang. (laughs) Queen Heidi. I used to have, I have so many nicknames, man. Like, Fang Face is one of them. I don't know why people said that. But wait, wait, which one? I, I used what? To get that. Fang Face. Like, show me Fang, fang Face. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. Maybe I don't think that's very complimentary at all. Phrase. I know, right? There's so many weird nicknames I've had throughout the years. Fanger has always been a consistent one. Um, <laughs> do, do you have one that you prefer? That you like? That you endorse? Man, I have to be given. I don't think you just can give yourself your own nickname. Well, no, I don't, I don't mean that you gave yourself. Somebody that called you in, hey, I can go with that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know. I, this could be to be continued. I'm going to have to write down a list. I've had so many different nicknames throughout the years. I'm not even kidding. I used to do an MMA show. Um, they called me Karate Hottie, but then I said, I can't be called Karate Hottie because that's already taken. Michelle yeah, yeah. Watterson, M- Michelle Watterson you might have to get in the cage with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That would be funny. Like My grappling is level zero. I did take some grappling classes because I wanted to know what I was doing and what I was talking about and movement and position and all of that stuff. Um, but it, I tell you, she would whoop my butt in that. <laughs> well, your, your grappling might be zero, but mine is spectator. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, now if we're just talking street brawling, I can get that. I can get at that. Let's go. All right, all right Heidi. Uh, I, I got one for you. See, as the whispers would say, it'd be, it's, it's, a, it's a fang thing. Instead of, it's a love oh. thing. It's a fang thing. Bam, 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 bam. Come on. I wish Nubchuck could play, but he's back in the studio. It's a fang thing. See, she knows it. You know, this, this is what I'm talking about. There's my old school girl. There what is. if you just combine yeah. the boxing and Fang face, but you don't like What if it was just Queen Fang? Yeah. Oh, that could work. That could work. That could work. I, I, used, I used to go with, it's your Fang. Ow. There's, what you want to do? There, you know what song I'm talking about? Of course. <laughs> We're covering all the fights and the contact that? sports you do in that. You know, I mean, Queen Fang, you know, lovely to look at, but beware the bite. <laughs> oh, Frank, with the motto and everything. It's Where? your fang. There it is. It's your fang. <laughs> do what you want to do. Uh, we can do this all day, Heidi. We can do this. Forget sports. We really could. You know, we could just have a whole fun Friday of it. I'm glad. It's funny. I'm sitting here and I'm editing pictures of in, uh, in a way and this Marinas, and yes. I get this phone call and I say, "What? Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's just do it." Oh, I love it. All right. So you were at the weigh-ins. Uh, give me your thoughts of the monster. How did he look? Oh, he looked good, man. You know, he's ready. I, I like to always think that there's a challenger that's going to bring him some heat. But I look at Desmarinas and uh, no, no, no. Hey, Desmarinas isn't no, bringing no smoke. He ain't bringing no smoke either, okay? Nope. No heat no. or no smoke. Yeah. yeah. You see all the, uh, the the body shots that he brings, accuracy, you know, and, and you just look at this guy standing next to him, weighing in, you're like, oh, man. It's nice that you showed up. <laughs> yeah, right. Come get your check. Go cash your check at the cage and get out of here. See you later. Do, do you have any idea where he, where does he get the power from being a 118 pounder? I mean, usually when you think of the monster, you think of Fury or Wilder or the big guys out there or whatever. You know, when you think of the monster, you don't think of a 118 pounder that hits like a heavyweight. Right. He's got that center fusion. That's what I'm going to call it. And, you know, he, he works his body from his core so well that it's like when you think about precision and he just brings the right angles to be able to generate it. And it's crazy to watch because it's like you said, exactly the power that he has isn't what you see at the lighter weight classes. And, you know, it's like I remember seeing uh, a UFC fighter, her name's Angela Hill, back when she fought Muay Thai. And she's 115 pounds, and that's what she fights at in the UFC. And back, I think, in this fight, she might have been even a little lighter. And when she went and threw a right hook and laid a girl out flat cold, I was like, no way. <laughs> no way. And it's the same thing with Inouye. It He has the, the ability to generate from his core, from his center fusion, and, and really – at a placement at the right time with the right inertia coming at him. I mean, it's just, there's no way that, you know, you can stop it. It's, it's amazing what he does. It really is. All right. We're looking forward to that. Uh, tomorrow night at the Virgin Hotels, the monster in action, in a way. Looking oh, forward to it. The monster. And, you, see, you know, I'm really bummed. A lot of people are going to be bummed, Heidi, because, you know, when we go to the fights, we're, we're hanging out in the media and we can, we can do this. But we've got, 
uh, a bunch of tickets that that were given away, and Frank's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Your boy Armando's going to be there. I mean, we could actually just have like hang out in the crowd and actually have a good time tomorrow night with you and your whole crew. I mean, heck, I think Armando could probably even bring the cornhole there, and you know, in, in between fights, you know, you know, down the it's, aisle way there, you know. Instead of the TC Martin show, it's the TC Martin row. That's it. Exactly. It's going to be exactly. And so I'm really bummed. So you know, you've got about 26 hours, girl. To, to, you know, change some plans, at least for a couple yeah. hours. I mean, we, come on. We now. need a queen. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've got you, man. I have to see what I can do, shake some things around. But, you know, I haven't seen them in two years with my family. I understand. See, and, and that's the difference between a, you, you, you're, you're longing to see your family you haven't seen in two years. I'm praying I don't see mine for another two years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's joyful Frank, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Or perfectly Frank. Yes. Perfectly Frank. <laughs> Not sugar-coated at all. <laughs> all right, girl, we'll let you get back to work there, okay? And uh, we'll look forward to your stuff. Go ahead and plug away. Where can everyone check out uh, what you're doing there at the RJ? Oh, man. So right now I've got a podcast up where we looked at the Kurt Warner breakdown on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And that is on the VegasNation.com site. And you just go to the free podcast. You don't even have to subscribe to the RJ to listen. Just go to the free podcast and then go all the way down and check it out right there. Um, but if you want to subscribe to the RJ, go to MyLVRJ.com slash bang. And, uh, you know, you can uh, sign up right there and get all of your Raiders news all day, all the time. That's where you go. Slash bang. You like that? Oh, and at Heidi Bang on Twitter. There it is. Sorry, I forgot it. That's solid. <laughs> That's solid, girl. I appreciate it. All right. Be good. And, uh, you know, you let us know if you can happen to, uh, just, you know, get away for a couple hours. You let us know. You know? All right, man. I'll be there. We really got to get together and have some sort of cornhole tournament. I've got to up my game, though, because Frank saw the disaster uh, that I put out there. I did you not know, so. want to bring that up, but since you okay. did, you know, I, 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 I heard. I keep it real. That's, that's, I keep it real. That's what we heard. I don't know. I, I must say, <laughs> I, I, I knew that you guys did cornhole serious. I didn't know it was like 46 rounds or whatever. I mean, it's like, it's a whole full-blown tournament. It's like cricket is what it, you're it, saying, if right? If you were to film you it for, for ESPN, you would definitely have to edit it down. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, I'm going to bring a babysitter with me because it's hard to, like, you saw my kids all over the place, right, Frank? It's hard to keep him, you know, busy and occupied while I'm trying to play. So it's like, you know, I think that's been um, mm, that's something a, that they deliberately try to distract there's my child. The blame. So Look at the blame game, is go- blame game is going on the kids now. Look at no, this. It's, there's it's a lot of kids running game. around there. I mean, it's an adult party, but it's also a kid family party. It's a cornhole party. It's a watching UFC and boxing and everything else on right. TV. Yeah. It encompasses yeah. a lot of stuff. All right. We'll, we'll create yeah, our own cornhole party. what they do with my son, I'm telling you. Tactical, tactical moves. Oh, I love it. All right, Heidi. Competition series. We appreciate you. We'll let you get back to work. Uh, great talking with you, and uh, we'll see you very, very soon. You bet. Anytime, guys. Thanks I want to see that Queen you. Fang caricature and see what that looks like. That can be your new emblem <laughs> on your Twitter and everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There she is. Heidi Fang, catcher at the RJ. There you go. Uh, covers it all. Does a fantastic job with all the combat sports, whether it's MMA, the UFC, 
boxing. Football is kind of a contact it, sport. I it, mean, it's it a is. combat sport. Well, that's, that's why. That's why. You know. And do you hear her talking about this stuff? It's like, oh man, yeah, the power of the in oh, the yeah. ribs. You know. Well, yeah. Oh, when she was like talking a, about Hill, it's like this little girl, hundred front, bam, yeah, just right. <laughs> knocks him out. And I was like, yeah, I, I saw her fight. She's. I've interviewed her on the MMA red carpet. Yeah. She. You know. Don't judge the book by the cover. <laughs> Heidi does a great job covering the Raiders as well, too. So check that out at the RJ. All right, when we come back, Dr. Christina Madison is going to join us. We'll talk what's happening here in Vegas, COVID protocols, all kinds of great stuff. We are live here at the Sunset Station, STN Sports Studios here. What's get, her nickname? Um, that... <laughs> That is a good question. You've ever put me. On, the, the, I mean, yeah, she is the good doctor. You, you, no question. You got a break call, to to think it I over know. through. I've always just called her the good doctor. But you're right. We'll have to we'll have to come up. Yeah, something. There's a lot of doctors on this show. This is <laughs> only two, I think. Well, there's Doc Sports that also oh, that's true. works with that's you know. True. That's true. You talk about Doctor J a lot. Yeah. You, t- you know, it's. I mean, it's you know. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Good company. Initials and doctors are all over the show. This is true. (laughs) With a lot of nicknames and a lot of music. There you go. All right, we're back at Sunset Station. Glad to have you with us here on this fabulous Friday. (laughs) Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, live from Sunset Station here on this Friday, big sports weekend. We got the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens tonight, and uh, on the road in Montreal, game number three. You know what that means? That means it's a watch party here at Sunset Station. Come and check it out here tonight. The doors open here at four o'clock when we're done, but uh, face off a little bit after five o'clock. Great prizes to be given away as well too. Admission is totally free. Come on, check it out. Frank and I will be out here. Brian Blessing. Be hosting along with Chuck Esposito here at Sunset Station. Great, great, great prizes to give away from from food to memorabilia for the Golden Knights. All kinds of good stuff. And watch it on the big screen. Have a good time here tonight at Sunset Station. Game number three. Yes, we have ourselves a series. What to expect tonight. So if we really like the Golden Knights in game two, why wouldn't we love them in game three tonight? Well, we wouldn't love them in Game 3 because we saw what they did in Game 2. Yeah. You know, I mean, that they are susceptible to losing, yeah. that they don't know necessarily how to uh, take advantage and come from behind against mm-hmm. this particular team. Uh, there is the late, There's another report coming out uh, just a few minutes ago from AP Sports that uh, the coach of the Canadians, uh, Dominique Ducharme, has, uh, he tested positive just hours before the game, so it looks yeah. like they have tested during the day, so it looks like it is still a positive test that he's been having. So, you know, right now it looks like he will not be behind the bench for tonight. Will it be a 10-day isolation that he has to do? Will he be quarantined? I don't know about that. But as of right now, it does appear that Montreal will be without their head coach mm-hmm. for tonight's game. Yeah. That could be big. All right. Speaking of COVID, our resident expert in the house, Dr. Christina Madison, looking lovely as usual. How are you doing? Well, other than the fact that it is crazy hot outside. Stay I'm hydrated, doing, girl. Stay hydrated. I'm doing fantastic, especially because I'm here with you two. You know what? I think this is the first time in a long time I've seen her without mask on. She's maskless. Uh, I know. Look at I this. Know. How are you and feeling this about this? is jumping. Oh, my I... goodness. I barely was able to get in because they're oh. getting super excited about the VGK watch party. There you go. All Doors right. at four. I know. Right. There's See... already a line. So how are you feeling about um, seeing that everybody is 
kind of back to normal. We're back to 2019. We're got 18,000 plus at T-Mobile Arena. People are walking around everywhere, pretty much maskless. Uh, do you think it's still soon for that? What What are your thoughts when you see this? So I have a few thoughts about this. Bring it. <laughs> So the first thought that I have is that, you know, when you really look at the numbers and you look at the data, it does seem like it's a bit premature, right? Mm-hmm. So the most current uh, information that we have is that we're around 43% fully immunized here in the state of Nevada. Granted, you know, um, Southern Nevada versus Northern Nevada might be slightly different. Um, and then about 58% um, at least a single dose. And so to me, that's a little bit frightening when you think about, you know, the 18,000 fans in the stands with no masks on and you look at, you know, five out of 10 people don't have, you know, both doses of the vaccine and aren't fully vaccinated, especially now as we're seeing recent reports that this new uh, Delta variant Mm -hmm. is really making its way through the United States. It's about 20 percent of the circulating strain. But, you know, the CDC director said that you know, by September, it could be the most dominant one here in the country. And if you're unvaccinated, that means you would be potentially 80% likely to be hospitalized if you were infected with this particular variant. So long story short, I think it really is, it comes down to risk. And if you are unvaccinated, you really need to think about that before you go into these public spaces. And, you know, Please don't feel badly if you need to still continue to wear a mask, because if we are all following the CDC directions, if you are unvaccinated, you still need to wear a mask in public. I think that really what is what it boils down to. So talk a little bit about the, this Delta variance. Now, this situation, I mean, c- could this be... Is this kind of a flashback a little bit to where, you know, pre-COVID going back when we got news about this? Because you said like 20%. And then if you are already vaccinated, is this a threat to people that are already vaccinated or only people that are not Yeah. So great question. So luckily, it does seem like the vaccines, all three of the presentations that we have look like they are pretty hardy against this variant. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're we're looking at an efficacy, you know, slightly lower, like around 80 percent, you know, but still there is a potential risk. Right. So just because you're vaccinated is not 100 percent. Right nothing in life is 100%. But I think the biggest thing that we're concerned about is those who are choosing to stay unvaccinated, or maybe that now as things are opening up, they just feel like there's no need because of the fact that everyone is going without a mask, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that peer pressure effect where it's like, oh, I don't need to get vaccinated. Everybody else is having a good time. Everybody else is out partying and maskless. So why do I need to go do that? And, and, you know, potentially put myself at risk for side effects, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, misinformation about there. The, the most recent thing that I heard was that if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't get on a plane because you've been at risk for blood clots. And I was like, this was somebody who said this to me was a health in healthcare. Whoa. And I was very shocked at this. And so, again... The fact that there's still all of this misinformation and there's still so much anti-vaxxer, you know, push towards people being vaccinated, I think we're still going to have a really hard time getting to that goal that we have at the Biden administration to be 70 percent vaccinated by July 4th. Um, I think we're probably going to get close, but it's going to be really hard. However... 
Da, 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 da. Breaking news. Oh, As breaking of news. yesterday, <laughs> Governor Sisolak just announced at Allegiant Stadium that we are now getting our own vaccine lottery. So Vax Nevada uh, is $5 million. So there's one winner um, that could win a million dollars, but there's a lot of other prizes and stuff that's a part of it too. So if you're vaccinated, um, you're automatically entered to win. So we're all in. So, well, unfortunately, it's people who are vaccinated now. Mm-hmm. You and I, you know, because so we, by, were, we by, were good. By we were good. And we what we're supposed the... to. We don't have an opportunity. Well, Frank, I look at you as an early adopter, honey. <laughs> That's These are the people that we're trying to get that are on the fence. So if you do what you're supposed to, you get bent over. The other ones get oh, bent over. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm I'm just being perfectly frank. That's what TC wanted me to do today. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean today? (laughs) I I got a quick question for you, too, because you mentioned the fake news about that kind of stuff. There are people out there that say, well, why get vaccinated? Because you can still get it anyhow. And then some people think that if you get vaccinated, you can't. Well, we know that that's not true because the coach of the Montreal Canadiens has just tested positive. He got a second dose on June 9th. So like you said, there is a small chance you can get it. But even if you do, the symptoms are going to be a lot less and you're probably not going to be hospitalized. And the other thing when you mentioned that, okay, so people right now, you should still get vaccinated. When this other strain comes around and when fall comes again and the temperatures drop and we're going to probably see another surge of this, will people that are already vaccinated have to get vaccinated again like a flu shot every year? Well, I think that is the the question that all of us are trying to figure out here in public health. Uh, obviously, you know, with you and me and TC and all the other people who got vaccinated back in December and January, it's looking like those people may potentially still need a booster. If you were maybe later vaccinated, so like, you know, towards the summertime or, you know, in the next few weeks, those people may not need to get a booster in the fall. We're not sure yet. However, the data right now supports that the messenger RNA a vaccine, so the um, so the Pfizer and the Moderna, we know for sure that those are highly efficacious for at least six months. So we did the initial study for the six months. Um, that next six months, we're still looking at that. Um, and so again, it's going to be based on what the circulating strain is. So we're going back to what we knew about flu. And when we had this happen during H1N1, which was our last big pandemic, we had what was called a two-year post-pandemic phase. And so the circulating strain that we had in that um, instance was the same strain. And so we really didn't need to have people, you know, rush out and get vaccinated because we actually, our vaccine was the same for about two years. And so we don't know, is it going to be like that? Or is it going to be, you know, now that we've got this crazy Delta variant, are we going to have to, you know, retool the whole toolbox and have to start all over again? And how many other variants are going to be coming out? Again, we don't know. That's that's the you know that. No, no, that was question. a rhetorical question because yeah. you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But what we do know is, if we are all vaccinated, right? In theory, there would be nowhere for the virus to go. Right. There would be nowhere for the virus to replicate and for it to mutate and to change. And so, again, that's why we're still recommending for people to get vaccinated. And again. This is your freedom. This is your choice, right? I know there's a lot of people say that this is my liberty that's being threatened, right? But it is not your right to put other people at risk. So you can be unvaccinated all you want in your own home. 
right? Just don't mm-hmm. go out in public and potentially threaten the lives of others. That's really what we want right. people to understand, that this is a personal mm-hmm. choice, yes, but we don't want to put other people at risk. So, you know, when you get a flu shot, it's an annual thing pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and some of these other things, whether chicken pox, it's, it's kind of once in a lifetime, once every few years. So going back to when people started getting vaccinated, did did you have that question like, hey, how often am I going to need this? Or is this just a one time that I'm good forever? And especially now with this Delta variants coming, is it one of these things where now, okay, I mean, is there is there a quote unquote straight answer that is like, okay, this is you don't not you're never going to need this again, or we're still not sure. It could be a year or two or three or five. Uh, I think it's the latter. It's that we're just not sure yet. And um, honestly, at the beginning of this, we were so shocked by how incredibly efficacious these vaccines were that we were all like falling over each other going, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Right. And, you know, at one point we were thinking, you know, maybe this might be like your tetanus vaccine where you get it like once every 10 years. Right. right? Like we didn't know. And so now we're like, maybe it's in between. Maybe it's not quite a once a year flu shot. And maybe it's not quite every 10 years. Maybe it's something in the middle. And again, we won't know until really, I think we won't know until the fall. Um, but I am so glad to see people out and about having a good time. I just want people to make sure that they're doing it safely and, you know, don't be afraid to wear a mask if you feel like it's going to protect you. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we know that that mask has reduced almost 99% of flu cases this flu season. Mm-hmm. Right. What about the people that, okay, you know, that you're in a controlled environment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, where you already, you're, you're in this environment where everyone's kind of been, te- everyone has been tested, and this and that, but they're still kind of requiring you to wear masks. I know some people get offended by that. Is there still any risk, or why are they asking people to continue to wear masks if you know that everybody in your group has been vaccinated? So I think it depends on who's requiring it, right? And so for healthcare facilities, for, you know, service industry positions, I think for right now, um, I think in order to make it to where it doesn't look like you're discriminating, right? So like if there's one person that may be out of your whole group that's not vaccinated, it it looks like you're discriminating against that one person because that's the only one person that you're making wear a mask. If you're in a a position where you are forward facing and you're in the public, it's probably better to have everyone wear a mask versus to just single out that one person, right? And then also healthcare professionals, right? And so like when I go to my clinic, I still wear a mask, right? And so I I honestly think that that's probably going to stay. I I really don't think that even after all of this goes, I really do think that because when people come to you, they're most likely sick. Mm -hmm. I just think it's going to be something that's going to stick around. But again, uh, to answer your question, is it necessary um, I think that it is. It goes back to risk because yeah. it's even preventative. If, then right. there's no question. But even even if you are vaccinated, there are some people that may have chronic medical conditions that put them at higher risk. There are people that are what we call immunosuppressed, so their immune system doesn't work as well. That their the vaccine hasn't doesn't work as well in them, and so their protection is not as good as say you or me or Frank, right? Mm-hmm. And so those people probably really should still wear a mask if they're in public places and they don't know if the people are them are vaccinated all right with the tokyo olympics coming up and the whole world going to japan and more international travel opening up 
what is there a bigger risk now for people out there and you mentioned the variants with the delta how many variants are there around the world because i know india is still having a lot of problems there's other places that have different variants with international travel opening up is there more danger of more cross variants and contamination going on yeah i mean i think uh you know the the olympics and japan uh they are pulling out all the stops, right? They are mass vaccinating their population. They are so many security and safety precautions that are going on. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm hopeful. I mean, if everything goes as planned, the likelihood of it being a super spreader event is pretty low, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because they're not letting international visitors come and, and watch the games. And now, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's this whole new media blitz um, now to have people watch at home, mm-hmm. right? And so right. I think I think that's smart. I think it's really smart. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Olympics, aren't you? Oh, I am big time excited. And uh, we have to have you back on when we can st- talk more specifically about the Olympics as well, because as we said before, you know, the Japanese uh, government and public, they're, they're split on this thing, whether th- this like should 50, still go 50. on. Yeah, and, and they're up. having a harder time finding volunteers because they said right. more and more people are not right. wanting to be part of it. All right. Great stuff. Dr. Christina Madison, uh, she's a whirlwind. She's all over the place. Tell the people what they need to know right now where they could find you for more information. You can find me at thepublichealthpharmacist.com mm. or you can follow me at your social media du jour mm. at the public health pharmacist. And you can listen to my podcast at uh, the public health pharmacist with the uh, pharmacy podcast network. There you go. Great stuff. Very informative and yet entertaining as well, too. Well, when I'm on, it's entertaining, right? Of course. I haven't been on yet, though. I haven't got the invitation. Oh, what are that? you talking about? Open invitation. <laughs> Yeah, that started. You're complaining you're so worn out you can't do anything. Now you're complaining that somebody's not asking you to do something more. But it's like a vaccine. You she, say I'm the one she that complains me, all the she time. She gets me vaccinated. She gets, you know, I, 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 I get the blood pumping again. I'm excited again. There you go. All right, the VGK Watch Party here at Sunset Station. Have yourself a great weekend. And if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Enjoy. We reconvene Monday at 2.